On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. For February 21st, what a day of headlines. I mean, a whole month of headlines done today in this first week of position players reporting to camp. I can officially say this is the first weekend, and we will have a weekend of baseball every weekend until the end of September. We have made it. The offseason is nearly officially over, and what a way to end it today with a couple of big signings. Hi, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio. Welcome in on WTMJ, your home of the Brewers. We are getting closer and closer to spring training games officially being played on Saturday. The Brewers will be in Peoria taking on the San Diego Padres, and they're at home at American Family Fields of Phoenix coming up on Sunday afternoon. Let's just get the headlines out of the way first and foremost. Brandon Woodruff is back. And yes, not to pour cold water on this, he's not expected to pitch this year. But Brandon Woodruff is signed on a two-year deal with a mutual option for 2026. I did not see the terms quite yet, but that's neither here nor there at this point because the Brewers had to make the really tough decision, and I think most fans understood it, of you know what, this guy's not going to pitch this year and he's due to be a free agent in 2025, understanding the non-tender. And now the big thing, the big theme today was it's the right thing, it's for the right guy. And Brandon Woodruff giving him another chance and giving him all the resources possible to be successful once again in 2025. So we have plenty of audio from Woody himself, also from Matt Arnold we'll get to. And also in a corresponding move and a little domino effect here, the Brewers were also able to sign Gary Sanchez as their backup catcher, it seems, at this point. Uh, We will meet him in camp tomorrow. We saw the photo from Brewers social media. He has already arrived. The Kraken is set to be the Brewers' backup catcher, maybe even be the DH against certain lefties. Uh, He is going to be a little extra thump, and all of a sudden this lineup looks a little bit deeper on a one-year deal that's incentive-laced. We'll get into more of that a little bit later on in the program. Uh, I'm just going to do a real quick segment here at the top, but I I posed this question on my social media, on Twitter, at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. My big question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how has the offseason gone versus what your expectations were? You can call in, you can text in. It's 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Again, on a scale of 1 to 10, how has the offseason gone versus what you expected it to go? I want to get to some of those responses in just a moment. But let me just read you the list uh, once again of just everything that's gone down in the last month and a half or so. They've secured funding for the ballpark and extended the lease to 2050. They've extended Jackson Churio. They've opened a brand-new state-of-the-art facility in the Dominican Republic. They avoided arbitration with all of their eligible players. They signed Reese Hoskins. They re-signed Brandon Woodruff. They signed Gary Sanchez. They signed Jacob Junis. They received two top 100 prospects in the deal for Corbin Burns. They also uh, make sure that they keep their farm healthy and safe. They didn't make any uh, win-now moves where you blow up the farm. And Jacob Mizorowski is in camp. Tyler Black is in camp. Uh, The list goes on. So... What an offseason for Mark Adonacio and for Matt Arnold. We're going to hear from those guys 
throughout the show here today. Plenty of audio to get to. I am coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. I am here for the rest of spring training. I chose a heck of a week to start coverage, and uh, we've got even more coverage coming next week as well. So we're going to burn a break here early, jump into this Brandon Woodruff signing, what it means for the Brewers, and his reaction as well. I want to hear from you tonight as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. More to come here on Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Just to root for guys. But, dude, I, I think every single member of the media, every single player, every single coach, every single trainer, every single fan in the building knows it means a little bit more with Brandon Woodruff. And today's news was just awesome. And, and to see Brandon Woodruff, in fact, Woody was at uh, the dude at, uh, at Stark Vegas, you know, watching his Mississippi State Bulldogs uh, back home. He's sitting in a suite. Uh, he had the family with him as well. So quite the day for the Woodruff family signed on a two-year deal. And I want to correct myself. I do have the terms uh, in front of me here. And it's very interestingly back-loaded, which obviously uh, makes sense. He, he's due $2.5 million this season. Look, he's probably not going to pitch. And we'll get into that here during this segment. Then he'll be getting $5 million for 2025. And you may be thinking, that is a steal if Brandon Woodruff is healthy by 2025. Well... Then the mutual option in 2026 is where he's going to get his money. If the Brewers buy out that mutual option, it's $10 million. So he's essentially guaranteed $17.5 million. And if for some reason Woodruff wants to pick up that mutual option with the Brewers and it's $20 million, then he'll be receiving uh, $27.5 million over the life of these three years. And to pitch, hopefully... You know, at least one full season and maybe two if he picks up all three years and things work out. So that's the the numbers. Let's just talk about the actual reaction and, and hearing from Brandon Woodruff himself on this process and actually being able to stay in Milwaukee. Being a free agent is um, it's an honor and a privilege. I know my circumstance was a little bit different. You know, we talked to the Brewers, obviously, when the non-tender happened. Uh, they expressed uh, that they would like me to come back. We had a few brief conversations and you know what? It the way it evolved over this free agency, um, it happened pretty fast at the end with the Brewers. So I wouldn't say not expected, but it just um, it just kind of happened pretty fast. So, and I'm glad it did. You know, I've I've thought a lot about this decision. It was a um, it was a really tough decision, but yeah, it, I mean, it happened pretty quick. I'm super happy to be back. This is um, an organization where I've I've grown up in. I'm very familiar with. The situation I'm in, which, in which I'm getting into with the medical staff, with the front office, with coaching, with everybody, the players, uh, and even, you know, people in the city. I, I still get to live in the same house. You know, just a lot of lot of positives um, I could take from this, and it made the decision pretty easy. Uh, it just makes you happy, man, to hear that Woody's sticking around and being a part of this community. Him and his wife, Joni, have done so much here, and they love Milwaukee, talking to him about it. Uh, I'm bummed for him that he's probably not going to be able to play much golf this summer, uh, given the shoulder issue. But he he loves the area, and, and the area loves him back. Uh, and here's what Matt Arnold had to say about being able to bring him back to Milwaukee. It's a great day. Um, you know, we we have to do things sometimes that are um, are, are are painful. You know, and, and including I think you know in the in the past couple months, one of those was non-tendering Brandon Woodruff and. Um, you know, as we work through our process here and continue to stay in touch with him, um, we just felt like, you know, bringing him back was the right thing to do for the franchise and, and for one of the best 
players in the franchise history, you know, and, and, and he's just such a special person. He and his family are tremendous. And, you know, whenever he's ready to pitch, um, you know, I couldn't be more excited just to have him in our dugout and on our side, just impacting people, um, you know, in every way. He's just such a such an impactful person, an impactful player um, that we're just thrilled to have him back. You hear that over and over about the person that Brandon Woodruff is. And even the other day when this news first started to leak, we asked Pat Murphy about Brandon Woodruff and about his trust levels with him and what it's like having a leader like him in the clubhouse. This guy's special, man. Yeah. Think of the greatest era in Brewer history, and you can't talk about the greatest era in Brewer history and not talk about Brandon Woodruff. Anybody that's been on the inside, he hasn't had all the same accolades that Williams or Hader or Burns has had, but he's been rock solid, and he's trusted by every single person uh, that's been on his teams. I, that that rock solid line. He had a big smile when he was saying rock solid. And I, I tell you what, I asked him this in the press conference. You know, the last time that we saw him as the media contingent, anyway, was maybe his lowest moment. You know, he, he, sitting at the uh, press conference room at American Family Field, and after we had just learned from Craig Council that Woody's not going to be available due to his shoulder, and kudos to Woody for coming out and wanting to answer a few questions and. You know, finally, one question broke him of just like he's such a competitor and he wanted to be there for his team in the biggest moments after all the work he went through to get back from his subscap strain and and felt like he let the team down. And I asked him, you know, this is a, a full 180 from the last time we saw you. I mean, just what are the emotions? It sounds like such a silly question, but it's a good question sometimes because he gave a, a really great answer. That's the emotions of, of baseball in any sport, really, and in life, you know. You go from the lowest to lowest. Uh, you can go from the highest of highs, and that's why this it's 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 crazy. Uh, you know, I the last time I talked to you guys was in that media room, and I couldn't I couldn't hold it together because I wanted to pitch so bad, but I knew I couldn't. And now it's kind of, you know, I, I thought about this on the on on the plane plane ride back home from the physical. Uh, the way things shook out for me, it made me realize that. It, I wasn't supposed to go out the way I was supposed to go out with the Brewers, uh, getting hurt, not being able to pitch, then getting non-tendered. You know, now that I've signed back, it, it, it kind of just hit me like, man, this is where I'm supposed to be, whether if it's two more years or whatever it looks like. I've still got a lot of, I guess you could say, unfinished business in the Brewers uniform, and that's the way I feel about it. And so that's why I'm so super excited because – you know, for a second, I thought that that was the end of it. And I was going to go out my last start in Miami and when I had a hurt shoulder and um, and I may not ever get to pitch for the Brewers again. And uh, it quickly dawned on me that, that that's not the way it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to uh, – I'm supposed to be back in Milwaukee and everything kind of worked out how it was supposed to. So uh, it makes me pretty excited. That was the moment when I tweeted, I'm ready to run through a brick wall because – it just makes you realize what he's been through. And, and as a competitor, I think a lot of folks can tap into that sense of them of like, man, had all that work, all that time of rehab, trying to get back and try to contribute to his team. And he was contributing at the complete game shutout against the Marlins. And then a week later, his shoulder starts barking and we all know how it ended. But he's back. As for the surgery, you know, how how is he actually feeling? What's the rehab like? What's the status right now? Here's what Woody had to say. Rehab's been going really good. The surgery went better than expected. Uh, I'm just a little bit over four months in. I started a throwing program last week, and that's been going good. It's a slow and steady progression. 
but as of right now, I feel I feel good. I feel completely normal. Now it's just all about getting my shoulder back used to, you know, the stresses that we we do day in and day out. So, but as of right now, I'm doing great. Just following protocol and and going from there. But um, you know, look forward to getting out to Maryville and and, and getting with um, the staff and and uh, you know, continuing that that build up. So, but as far as four months in, man, I'm doing good. It's great to hear. And he, we asked him, you know, are you thinking maybe this year? I'm, I'm not even going to try to speculate. I am under strict, strict orders from Dr. Keith Meister, who performed the surgery, trying to make sure that he is going to be a okay. And, and the brewers even added some resources around on the medical side, on the background to make sure he's ready. And, and what he also expects to travel with the team, you know, you just heard him say he's going to be in Maryville this week, so we'll see him in person as well. And he expects to rehab with the team throughout the season, which, you know, he gets to be a mentor to some of these young guys if they're going to be on the team. He gets to be around the club. He gets to be learning. He gets to be talking. I- I'm excited for that too, man, because also I'm so excited to hear the roar for him when he's announced on opening day in the line, you know. I know he's going to be on the 60-day IL, but, you know, He's going to be in uniform, and he's going to be in a line. He's going to get the ovation that he deserves. So I can't wait to see that happen. So congratulations to the Woodruff family. I'm fired up. I hope you are too. And that wasn't even the only signing today. we got to get to Gary Sanchez as well. So that's coming up next. I'm going to read some of these responses about the offseason, how it's gone, how fans are feeling right now. What a day. What a day. We're still not done talking about the day. I've also got some stuff on Sal Freelich on the infield. we got some quotes from Christian Yelich, some quotes from Mark Adanasio. That's how big this news is. Yelly and Mark are pushed back down to like the ENF block, okay? They're, they're down low on my rundown today. But up next, we're going to talk about Gary Sanchez and what the roster looks like now after all this speculation about the roster crunch. So stay with us, 855-616-1620. Again, 855 855- 616-1620 is the talk and text line. Stay with us, WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ on WTMJ. Wait, we got Woody back? Let's go. That was General Manager Matt Arnold with the media earlier today with a fun little sense of humor. As we uh, were on the phone with him earlier today, just reacting to him, just, you know, sarcastically. Like, Wait, we got we got Woody back. <laughs> so, pretty pretty fun to say the least at Brewers Camp today at American Family Fields of Phoenix. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the fact that I got to watch Jacob Mizorowski throw a live bullpen. Saw J- uh, Joe Ross throw. Saw uh, JB Bukowski's throw. Saw Trevor McGill. Uh, saw Colin Ray. I mean, it was a busy day. First day of lives. And on top of all of these signings that went down today as well. Let me get to some of these responses of the question that I asked at the top of the show. On a scale of 1 to 10, how has the offseason gone versus what your expectations were? Here are some of the responses. This one from Justin Schultz. I'm absolutely terrified that I have high expectations this year, but I'm excited about it. I don't think there's a middle ground in 2024. Either the Brewers win the division or sell at the deadline. I, I don't gr- agree with the last part of that statement. I think they are going to kind of be in a middle ground for the majority unless somebody absolutely starts running away with the Central out of nowhere that we're not anticipating. I feel like it's not going to be a battle of attrition where everybody's barely above 500 like they were at the end of April last year, but rather you know, teams are playing well against each other and 
The Reds are going to be right there. The Cardinals are going to be right there. I don't know what the Cubs are doing. And we'll get to some of the comments from Tom Ricketts a little bit later. Mark Adonacio responded to those yesterday as well. I still think, though, competing in the division and being above 500 is a win this year because this is a transition year. Because when you look at this team next year, almost all of it's coming back next year. Not to get way ahead of ourselves here, but 2025, you know, Jefferson Carroll will be around. Uh, you'll still have another year of Contreras. You'll still have maybe a, a healthy Brandon Woodruff, and you could start getting excited. But this is supposed to be a transition year. This one from Justin Phillips. Excited. Weimer changing his swing. Hoskins, the plethora of youth, and number two farm system. Honestly, really love the direction that we are headed. This one from Brock and Sturgeon Bay. Losing Craig Council big time hurts. So started off at a 1 on a scale of 1 to 10, but then signing Jackson and Hoskins moved it to a 10. Training Burns moved it back down to a 6, but signing Sanchez moved it to a 7. Not upset, but I also believe this team will be sellers at the deadline. I hope I'm 100% wrong. I like that last sentence there, Brock. This one from Nate. Matt Chapman is still sitting there. I'd be, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they want to make room for Tyler Black and for one day Brock Wilkin. Andre Monasterio has put on some weight in case you missed my coverage earlier this week. Andre Monasterio has put on 12 pounds of muscle this offseason. I've got a story on that coming up next week on WTMJ as well. This one from a great handle at I Hate the Cardinals, my guy. Uh, I give them an A. Excited about the season and a mix of young players with veteran leaders. And happy for Murph. Go Brewers. If Ashby comes back from missing the 2023 season, then we'll be back where we need to be, then back where we were last season atop the NL Central. And lastly here from number one Brewer fan, gutted by Craig Council leaving. That was a zero. Churio signing an eight, so promising. Burns may be sick, can't financially compete. That brought it down to a two. But then Sanchez, Woody, seven since injuries and yet to be an ability to be impactful. Yet to be seen, Hoskins, that makes it an eight. He's a dynamic player. And then finally, Willie Adamas not being traded makes it a 10. He's a heart of the team. Appreciate all those responses so far. You can join us, 855-616-1620. Let's talk about another move that happened today, the corresponding move, if you will. First and foremost, a lot of folks were speculating on what was going to happen to allow Brandon Woodruff to get on the roster in the first place. Uh, Remember, you can't go straight to the 60-day IL. You have to be put on the 40-man, then on the 60-day. So what the Brewers did with their full 40-man is they went ahead and DFA'd Cub killer, Jemai Jones. So wish Jemai all the best. I've known Jemai since he was 18 and I was 21. So uh, he, we were together in rookie ball back in the Angels organization. Great dude. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. Uh, and in case you're not familiar with the Cub killer line, of course he hit the epic double to tie the game when the Brewers were down 7-3 uh, to three or 7-4, to I think it was, uh, in July 3rd game. First pitch he saw as a Brewer, double, bases clearing, tied the game. Brewers ended up winning that game 8-6, to six, if I'm not mistaken. It was my game of the year. If you can go back and scroll up on the uh, Brewers All-Access feed, I did some game of the year countdown content right around the holidays. So, wish all the best to Jemiah Jones. And with the Brewers correspondingly moving uh, Woodruff to the 60-day IL, that reopens a spot on the 40-man roster, and they officially signed Gary Sanchez to a deal. Now, Gary, this was reported like two weeks ago that he was going to be coming to the team. Something popped up in the physical with the wrist that he had. He had a wrist fracture in September of last year. We'll learn more about this tomorrow at camp when we'll get our introduction to the Kraken. But the the big thing to know, Ken Rosenthal is reporting that his base salary, instead of $7 million, it is starting at $3 million, 
with incentive laden to get it up to $7 million. Look, Gary's not going to play every day. Last season, between the uh, Mets and the Padres, he played a total of 75 games. Just three with the Mets, 72 mostly with the Padres. He had 19 home runs, all of them with San Diego. He had a 780 OPS. I know, 217 batting average, but we don't care about batting average as much anymore. His best years were his first couple of years with the Yankees, especially 2017 when he was an all-star. He had 33 home runs at Yankee Stadium in 2017, playing in 122 games. That has been the high watermark his games, or I beg your pardon, 128 games with Minnesota. Two years ago in 2022 when he had 24 doubles and 16 homers, that ballpark isn't really conducive to right-handed power. And now he's coming here to Milwaukee, a place where he can certainly help against lefties. He can give uh, William Contreras a day off. And Gary's a better defender than you give him credit for. You might be a little obsessed with the pass ball numbers and, and things of that nature, but he's still an above-average defensive catcher by the advanced metrics. And... Matt Arnold had that to say as well. He agreed with that statement, and and part of the reason for the inspiration to get Gary Sanchez in a Brewer uniform. Yeah, certainly. You you guys all know that we we value defense here immensely, and and he's as you mentioned, he's not just a one dimensional player. This guy is uh, is is very talented defender, um, and then obviously it comes with a, a you know a bat and power that uh, that is imposing you know in the middle of a lineup, and so. The, the, that combination we feel like is is something that's going to be really productive for us this year. It, it lengthens the lineup, as I said a moment ago, and we'll get more audio from Gary tomorrow. And looking at the splits last year in just 79 plate appearances against lefties, he hit 267, but a 984 OPS, nine homers, four doubles as well in his career against lefties. He's got a 798 OPS, and he hits, man, he hits dingers. And if you're wondering what's going on then, what's the deal with Eric Haas, what do you do with him? Well, he signed a two-way contract, meaning he can clear waivers and, and stay in the organization on a minor league deal that is pre-structured. Yes, he signed a, you know, assuming he was going to be the backup catcher with a big league part of the deal, but he was already a, a free agent, and I, I hope he would stay in the organization. I don't know if somebody will suddenly have a need to get Eric Haas, but I saw him today. He was catching some of the guys. He was getting... His hacks in. I don't expect the Brewers to be carrying three catchers. Matt Arnold was not going to be assuming anything at any point in the season, given we were still so far away from opening day. But just the way that this team rolls and with the versatility on this team, I, I don't see a three-catcher setup. If they didn't do it last year, they're definitely not going to do it this year when it seems like William Contreras is really ready to take off as an everyday catcher. And Gary Sanchez will certainly make things a little bit easier on William and I, I'm thinking about a lineup, you know, let's say you go for an all-power lineup against righties, right? Uh, if you're given one of the, the the kids a day out in the outfield, right? You can have a lineup that features Sal Freelich, Christian Yelich, Reese Hoskins, William Contreras, Gary Sanchez, Willie Adamas, Garrett Mitchell, Jackson Churio, uh, and then you can get into, all right, who's going to be at second and third, uh, is it going to be Tyler Black? Is it going to be Joey Ortiz? Is it going to be uh, Andrew Monasterio? So, I mean, just those names I listed, man. I mean, there's suddenly some pop again. And we've talked about how poor this team slugged last year. And now they've added some slug with Hoskins and now with Sanchez. I'm in. I love it. I think this has been a fantastic offseason. And it seems, it seems, you can never be so sure around the Brewers, that this is the cherry on top. I, I, I just don't see if there's any more room. 
you know, you're never out of the woods yet on trades and things of that nature, but I talked about it a couple episodes ago, ranting about the fact that, look, there's not many teams that have a need for Willie Adamas right now. I don't think his trade market is where you think it is at this very moment until something changes with another team. If their starting shortstop goes down and they want a one-time rental, that's when Willie's name would start to pop up. But for now, I mean, the lifeblood of the team is here, and he talked about it with Todd Rosiak in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Great article. I encourage you to read that. He knows. He understands. But as I said last week, it is good for both parties if Willie Adamas gets back to 2021 Willie Adamas. You know, he can go make some money in free agency, and the Brewers can give him a qualifying offer. And I, I imagine if Willie Adamas is going, the Brewers will be going too, you know, as in they'll be performing as well. So I, I, I see this Gary move as a little bit of depth, a little more, a little extra, a little more pop. He's not going to play every day. Maybe you can get 80 to 90 games out of him, 350 plate appearances. Sign me up, man. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see and get to know the Kraken, and I'm also excited to see what Walker McKinvin and Charlie Green do with him. So <laughs> this is going to be a fun fun couple of weeks of camp here as games get ready to begin on Saturday. I've done all of that. with all. That's just today's headlines. Let's talk about a headline that dropped on a Saturday. This was reported by Ken Rosenthal. Sal Felix playing the infield? What's all this mean? I talked to Sal, talked to Murph. Tell you about all of that going on right now in camp with Sal Freelich on the dirt. Stay with us on WTMJ. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Sal Freelich on the infield? What? You may have seen the headline. You probably have heard about it by now. Welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the talk and text line here on WTMJ if you want to join in on the program. Let's start with the why. You know, why would the Brewers consider Sal Freelich on the infield? He's an outfielder, right? Well, yes, he last played infield mostly up the middle as a high school senior in the Boston area. He's played a little bit of third in his growing up years, but a lot of second base as well. And, of course, he transitioned to the outfield when he made it to Boston College. Fast forward to now, why now? You know, he played in the outfield all of last season. It was never on anyone's radar. Right now, Pat Murphy and Matt Arnold are trying to find a way to get as many of these young guns in the lineup as they can. And there's obviously a position battle at third base, and there's a position battle at second base. And we will see Sal Freelich start games in spring training on the infield. Pat Murphy confirmed that today. And it's not a bad thing. We know he can play the outfield. He can play big league center field. We know that. Can he play second base and give you an opportunity to fit, let's say, Yelich in left, Churio in center, Mitchell in right, or Mitchell in center and Churio in right, and Sal at third, or Sal at second? Then you get all the young kids in there with Yelly in left, because now it seems like Gary Sanchez is going to be your primary DH, in addition to Hoskins, in addition to Contreras, and a little bit of Yelly in there too, but the DH, it, it seems like Yelly's going to stay in left at this point. And he made that clear this week too, uh, talked about that with him. He said he would prefer to play left field more than DH, and I don't blame him for that. Uh, he he feels more engaged with the game. A lot of guys feel that way, and 
He's not quite at that point where he wants to be a DH only. He feels he has a lot more to contribute, but that's beside the point we're talking about Sal right now. So that's the why. Try to get as many bats in the lineup as you can. and It helps out with some versatility. Maybe you bring him in on a pinch hit situation if a lefty started the game, and now they've got a righty in, so you bring in Sal, and you can keep him in the game at like second base or something like that. That certainly will keep him in the, li- in the lineup. Another reason is, like, well, how? How is this going? How are you doing this? Well, that's what Pat Murphy revealed to us and talked about in this article with Ken Rosenthal. Of course, Pat Murphy, as we've said over and over and over again, he's a Sun Devil man. He went to Arizona State. Not went to, but coached Arizona State. Got to quote Jerry McGuire, of course. But coached Arizona State and, of course, recruited this kid, this little kid named uh, Dustin Pedroia and uh, smack-talking dude from California. Uh, from Thousand Oaks, California, and the rest is history. You know PD, I know PD, he is the best. And this all really became just an, a thought in Murphy's mind. I'll, I'll allow him to explain. I believe in Sal as, as a player, and um, I knew we had a history in high school of playing infield. I knew that a couple times during these last years since we've had him, that people say, ah, man, you should t- see him take ground balls. You know, he's taken ground balls a couple times. And I just thought to myself when I looked at our outfield situation, like, this might be a cool idea. I brought it up to Matt. Matt thought it was good. I just went to work. How would you help a kid develop? And I know his, you know, boyhood idol was Dustin Pedroia. I happen to have a good relationship with Dustin, a close relationship with Dustin, uh, having been involved in his life. So um, I called Dustin and said, what did you do? And he said, I'm on it. And, and the rest is history. And here he is learning second and third base. And, you know, it's Pedroia. And also, Pat Murphy was very quick to compliment Dustin for how seriously he took this task. I believe in Sal as, as a player and came out for three days and worked every day. And Dustin had a full infield plan for him. And it was, it was impressive. You know, I mean... We're all impressed with Dustin Pedroia, what he did with his career and how he impacted others and how he impacted the Red Sox and his success. And, I mean, this guy is, you, you talk to his teammates, this, this guy's incredible. But to see him just volunteer and say, yeah, I'll do it, you know, and say yes and come out and work with Sal and like, with the intent that he did for the hours that he did. Again, we're talking about another special human. You feel pri- in my position, you feel privileged to be around these guys. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Really, really cool indeed. I talked to Sal a little bit about it uh, this week. We'll get him in front of a microphone next week and uh, part of our elevated coverage next week across WTMJ of getting you ready for spring training baseball. And for one, he was fired up because it's Pejori. And I'll, I'll, save, I'll save some of that interview for when we actually talk to him next week. But... Number two, I just asked him, okay, well, position-wise, you know, is there one you feel more comfortable at? It's like, yeah, I feel more comfortable at second, but it doesn't mean I'm uncomfortable at third. I'm just trying to get my hands quick again. I'm trying to get these these guys moving. I mean, he has been out there every single day getting his eyes right at third base, charging ball, going to his right, going to his left, trying to understand how much time he has, and he's going through it, man. He's trying to figure out if he can be a big league third baseman, and this is what spring training is for. Can you do it? Can you add another feather to your cap? That's what they're going to figure out with Sal Freelich. So we'll have more on Sal coming up next week. Because we got three Brewers Weeklies next week. Monday, Wednesday, 
and Friday right here on WTMJ. So we've got a lot of content on the way for you, and I'm very excited to bring that to you. Let's, uh, let's shift gears. Let's talk to another outfielder, but he's staying in the outfield. You know, he's the de facto captain, Christian Yelich. Some sound from Yelly coming up next on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Have reported. I'm Dominic Catronio. Got another 10 minutes or so in the program here. Christian Yelich, of course, had a solid season last year, second on the team in hitting, leadoff spot, pretty much healthy the entire season as well. First and foremost, you know, the team that's ahead of him. And obviously there's been some upgrades now with Woodruff and Sanchez joining the team. How does he feel the outlook is for 2024? I definitely think we're going to be a competitive team this year. You know, we, even when we've been good the last few years, like no one ever picks us to be good, you know, just because you know, we're the Brewers and <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, I think, you know, I think that we have a chance to, to really surprise some people with, with the talent in this room. Uh, we usually always find a way to be competitive and be there at the end and give ourselves a chance. So, uh, I mean, you never know what's going to happen over 162 games, the six-month season. There's there's a lot of ups and downs. You know, there's going into it, you know, there's going to be great times. You know, there's going to be stretches where it gets really tough and rough, and you just have to, you know, just put your head down and keep going. And we've done a really good job of that. I mean, this team was 500 in June. 500. They were 34 and 34 after they got swept by the A's and lost the first two games of the border battle with the Twins. They never got to 500 again the rest of the year. They were above it the rest of the year. So let's not overreact in May if things aren't going according to plan. You just got to look at the rest of the division and see how you're doing. And, and on that note, being patient and understanding and understanding that the game is hard. How about Jackson Churio? You know, a lot of fans, a lot of media speculating he's going to be on the opening day roster. And regardless if he is or isn't, Yelly just wants to make sure we let him play and give him a chance. He's obviously really talented for the organization to make a commitment like that. You know, he's got a very bright future ahead of him. And, you know, we just got to let him play. You know, just let him play. Let him be Let him be a kid. Let him be a rookie in the big leagues. You know, um, obviously when you sign a contract like that, there's expectations and everything that come along with that. But at the same time, just let him play. You know, there's the, it, part of there's going to be growing pains in the big leagues. There's going to be really bright moments. There's there's going to be everything in between. And it's like you just got to let him let him be a kid. Let him let him get his feet wet. And um, you know, obviously the sky's the limit for him with his talent. Another new teammate that he's got, and it's his locker mate, Reese Hoskins. Uh, it's a really fun wall down on the far wall of the uh, Brewers clubhouse. You got Yelly, Reese, Weimer. Uh, Terang, Adamas, all side by side by side by side. So, uh, fun little wall there. Here's Yelly on Reese. I mean, he's a great player. You know, always playing against him. I've played with him since I was on, played against him since I was on the Marlins, and he's obviously really talented. And anytime you can bring in, you know, veteran players like that that have a really good track record in the league, um, it always helps you. You know, just have veteran guys around. He's, he's a great at bat. He's, he's power thread. He really lengthens, lengthens our lineup. So, um, that's a huge addition for us, and it's really nice to have him. He's he's going to be a very big piece, and we'll have more from Reese. We'll have more from Yelly in next week's three series of uh, Brewers Weeklies as well. I, I'm really looking forward to a big year from him. I was talking to a friend the other day, and I reiterated, I think I've said it on this show too, Yelly's on Steamer or on Zips right around 35 doubles, right around 17 to 22 home runs. Right around 30 stolen bases again. Virtually a repeat of last year, maybe a little bit more pop. I'd sign up for that right now, man. If he's at the top of the lineup or in the three spot in the lineup, I'd sign up for that right now. 
I think that would be very, very welcome for this Brewers lineup, given how much deeper it got. And if he's on base for Gary and for Reese and for Willie, he could be scoring a lot more runs too. So we'll, we'll hear more from Yelly coming up next week. All right, we're going to wrap up the show after the break with some thoughts and comments from the principal owner, Mark Atanasio, after this. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, I've only got a few minutes left, and I really want to get this sound in from Mark Atanasio. Let me lay the stage. Bob Nightingale of USA Today Sports was in town yesterday and just so happened to coincide with the annual address from the principal owner, Mark Atanasio, after what has been a very busy offseason. And uh, even when the national media is sitting across from him, Mark wasn't afraid to take a shot. Yeah, look, there's huge opportunity uh, for guys here. Uh, we've, you know, we've had a significant winning tradition. We talked about it in the interview with you where, you know, last eight years, we're one of the three best teams in the National League since I bought the club. In 2005, we're one of the four best. Uh, that gets disregarded largely uh, in the national media, Bob. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with, with that, uh, you know, we, we have an expectation to win this year, and we will have a lot of young players who have their first real opportunity to uh, shine in the major leagues, and we'll see who seizes that opportunity. And he also reiterated the fact that he hates the thought of rebuilding. He always wants to be competitive. We made a commitment to always being competitive, and you know that's hard to do when sort of the paradigm is to go all in to win and then rebuild. I never really wanted to rebuild. If you look over 19 seasons now, maybe there were a couple of rebuilding years, sometimes unintentionally, and we're going to continue to try to always compete here. That's it's hard to do that and try to get to a World Series because at some point, and Matt can maybe address this, that you, you want to um, maybe want to follow more of what uh, teams have done where they've retrenched for a number of years. The, the concern with, with rebuilding or re- whatever, everybody uses a euphemism to say that they're not trying. I always want to try, so I don't want to use these euphemisms. And the problem is you don't know that you're going to win. Just because you take a step back doesn't mean you're going to take two steps forward. So we're always trying to move forward. And, and it's a challenge. I give Matt and his group a huge amount of credit for working with ownership on that because it's not easy. I give uh, Murph and all the coaches uh, a lot of credit for developing the players. It, it, it's top to bottom. And the Brewers... Every year, the national media does this thing like, oh, I, don't, I don't really buy in the Brewers this year. At the end of the end of the year, like, oh, wow, we should have bought in the Brewers. Should have seen this coming. I've got so much more coming next week. You can follow me on social at Dom underscore Catronio. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Max Meyerson running the board. Until next time, keep on swinging.